It really is a privilege to be able to come together like this and fellowship together and have uh, no restrictions on what we can say and preach and teach. It's not that way all over the world. Uh, nobody told me what I had to preach today. Thank, thank the Lord. Uh, something to be thankful for. You know, uh, uh, only foolish people have to lose something to appreciate it. Wise people appreciate it without losing it. That's also a key to keeping it. Anything or anyone you begin to take for granted and not be thankful for, you are in danger of losing. That's a spiritual principle. And that's why there are so many admonitions to be thankful in the Bible. So numerous in the New Testament as well as the Old. Stir yourself up to be thankful. And if the conversation lulls or drags, I'll tell you what's always appropriate to say. Thank you, Lord. What am I thanking him for? Did you just take a breath? Huh? Is, is his gravity still holding your feet down? I mean, huh? Come on. There are so many things at the top of the list. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they're working on your place, your mansion. Today, they're working on your place. Didn't Jesus say, I go to prepare a place for you? If it wasn't so, I'd have told you. And I'm coming back to take, to, to take you to myself. we got a lot to be thankful for. Just, just say it out loud. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for every good thing you allow me to have, enjoy, be a part of. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. One of the worst things that can happen to you spiritually is to become unthankful. It, it, it involves spiritual darkness. And the more unthankful you become, the dumber you become. I'm not exaggerating. Romans 1 says this. Your understanding gets darkened because you're unthankful. But the opposite happens. If you are genuinely giving heartfelt thanks, it opens you up. It opens your eyes. It enlightens you. So uh, what you going to do this afternoon and this evening and, and tomorrow? I mean, when it crosses your mind. Go ahead, open your mouth, and say it out loud at home, in your car, on the job, on the bed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Ephesians 4, did you find it? We've been on a series for some weeks now that we're calling uh, No Place for the Devil. And we, we get that from this text here in Ephesians 4. Verse 21 says, If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now he's writing to saved people. He's writing to the saints at Ephesus. These are born again people, also spirit filled, tongue talking people. And he tells them, 
put off the old man. Everybody say put off. Put off. The old man. Now verse 23, keep reading. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. When you're born again, you are saved. Thoroughly saved. You are righteous. Completely righteous. You, you don't grow in righteousness. Because righteousness is a gift that was given to you. It's actually the Lord's own righteousness. But you, uh, when you're born again, you're born a spiritual baby. And you need to develop and grow up and become mature spiritually. And when you got born again, it wasn't your mind that got born again. It was the hidden man of the heart. It was your, the spirit man. The mind, then after you're born again, needs to be renewed. How many remember Romans says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, he's writing to the saints at Rome. He's writing to Christians, not unsaved people. Renewed in the spirit of your mind, keep reading, and that you put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, he said, put off the old man. Then he said, put on the new man. And this is putting on like you would put on a garment. Like you would put on a robe or a coat. Put it off. Put it on. Say it out loud. Put on on. the new man. Keep reading. Verse 25. Wherefore, putting away, now see, you, you see some of the same idea. This is actually a part of putting off the old man. The old man was a liar. Right. That's right. <laughs> and we become new creations in Christ Jesus. How many understand new creations shouldn't be lying? That's right. but, but can you lie after you've been born again? Yeah, you can, but that's because you held on to the old man. You didn't put off the old man. Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Verse 26, be angry and sin not. Getting mad and doing bad things is part of the old man. Put that away, put that off. Didn't say you could never get angry again, but you don't sin when you get mad. You're not out of control. You're in control. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, this is not a suggestion. He he tells them and tells us not to allow our anger to go uh, days and weeks and months. Hmm? There are people still mad about the election. <laughs> is that okay? No. I said, is that okay? Huh? Still mad about this? Still mad about that? Still mad about a relationship that was over five years ago? Hmm? Still mad that a sibling got more of the inheritance than they did? Or got part of it that they did. That is acting like an unbeliever. That is clinging to the old man. We must put it off. 
Listen to how quiet it is. I didn't write this. You didn't write this. Huh? Is it okay for you to still be mad? No. Huh? The little Johnny Smith pushed you down on the playground in the sixth grade. Huh? It's okay if you still be mad about that. Get mad every time you think about it. That's acting like a heathen. Like an unsaved person. What do I do about it? You know what to do about it. Forgive. Release. Let it go. You do it by faith. It's compared to releasing a debt. If you really, somebody owed you a thousand dollars and you had paperwork on it, and you got up one day and you said, you know, I'm going to release them from that debt, and you said, hey, here's the paperwork. You don't owe me anything anymore. I tear up the paperwork. Well, if next week you find out you got a bill and you could have used that thousand dollars, well, too late. Is that right? You already released them no matter how you feel about it. And that's exactly what you do in forgiveness. You do it by faith. It's not based on your memories or your feelings. So say it out loud right now. I I forgive everyone who's done anything against me. I release it. They owe me nothing. nothing. No explanation. No No making things right. right. I ask you, Father, Father, forgive them. them. May that sin sin not be laid to their charge. charge. Hallelujah. Well, if you've really done that, what reason would there be for you to be mad about it? So keep reading. All this leading up to this 27th verse. Neither give place to the devil. See, lying is a way that you give place to the devil. Being mad and and carrying a grudge is a way you give place to the devil in your life. And he's again, he's writing to Christians. Can a Christian give place to the devil in their life? Yes. Well, if you do, what's the devil going to do? He's going to do what he always does. Steal, kill, and destroy in the Christian's life. And it ought not be. I said it ought not be. Because we've been delivered. But it's up to us if we give place. Skip on down to the 6th chapter, please. Chapter 6 in this same Ephesians book. Verse 10. All this flows together. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. Uh, What he was talking about there in chapter 4 builds up to chapter 6. He said, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, People around us are not supposed to see us acting weak and folding and losing it. They're to see strength in us that you can't find in the world. Hmm? Thank you for those two head nods. Huh? Is it true or not? Uh, Especially unbelievers. Uh, We're to be witnesses, the scripture says. Witnesses of what? 
There's supposed to be a difference between us and the unsaved. And one of the differences is our strength. Because it comes from a place that the unbeliever is not getting it from. It comes from the greater one who's inside the believer. Hallelujah. And even when I am weak, still that's when I'm strong because his grace kicks in. Didn't say be strong, be strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is a witness to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers, to your neighbors. When other people are losing it, other people are depressed and despairing, and you are not. You act like you know something they don't know. Because you do. Hmm? Somebody say strong, strong, strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. How can that, how can you do that? How can you live that way? He, he goes on to explain, verse uh, 11, put on the whole armor of God. And that, the words there include the, the entire armor, all of the armor of God, uh, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I've, I've heard teaching on the, the armor of God here and there and, and known about it a little bit for, for years. But it seems like people get hung up on the, uh, the portrayal, the helmet, the shield, the sword. And somehow they, they, it miss, they miss the big thing. This is spiritual armor. Defending us from spiritual attack. Everybody say spiritual. spiritual. This is not a natural shield or a natural helmet. He's just using that to portray uh, that the spiritual thing works like that. But uh, we, we need to see what the armor is. The armor is not a physical helmet or shield. The, the armor is, he goes on to say, uh, righteousness, truth, faith, these things. Well, what's, what does it protect us from, though? Generally speaking, it protects us from the trickery of the devil. Everybody say the wiles, the trickery of the devil. Uh, one word is sophistry. And you know, uh, you can see the root word of that would be sophisticated. <laughs> and the devil is sophisticated. He's very um, complex because he knows a lot of things you don't know. And he knows how to play on that ignorance. And the devil is, he's tricky. If you're waiting on some being with horns and a red suit and a tail and a pitchfork, you'll continue to wait because he never comes that way. The Bible said the, the devil transforms himself as an angel or, or a messenger of light. 
The devil's favorite mode of operation is to convince you that what he's telling you and bringing to you is from God. That's his favorite way that he functions. Well, what would protect you from that? The armor of God. Hmm? Are you all okay? I want you to say it out loud three times. Spiritual things are real. Come on, say it with me. Spiritual things are real. One more time. Spiritual things are real. We need a revelation of this. They're not imaginary. They Just because you can't see it, you can't touch it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Now anybody that does any kind of thinking would realize that that's the case. People that say, well, I, I'm not going to believe anything exists that I can't see or that I can't touch. Well, when's the last time you saw a thought? Huh? Or a feeling? No. You can't see a feeling under a microscope. You can't do a litmus test on an emotion. Right? Or a thought. What is a thought? These things are real. Anybody that says they're not real is just being dishonest. Let's back up a little bit. Have you ever had a thought? Yes. Huh? Yes. You had a thought about coming to church today. Is that right? Else you'd have never gotten here. Where'd that thought come from? And with many of you, especially those of you that have traveled, you had thoughts about why you couldn't come. Thoughts came to you that you were busy or that this was going to happen or that this was not going right or that that other. Where did that thought come from? Then there was a thought that came up out of the midst of you that said, oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. (laughs) Thoughts telling you that you can't, that you couldn't afford it, that you wouldn't be able to. But they were thoughts that came, yeah, God will take care of you. He'll meet your needs. He'll make a way. Who am I preaching to? Am I telling, right? Huh? Are those things real or not? Your choosing of them, rejecting some of them, accepting some of them, determine whether you got here or not. And all the other things in your life. These things are real. Say it out loud. Spiritual things are real. In fact, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, that's what the, uh, the Scripture said. Brethren, I wouldn't have you ignorant concerning the King James says spiritual gifts, but gifts is not there in the original. It just says, I wouldn't have you ignorant concerning spiritual things, things of and pertaining to the Holy Spirit. I don't want you ignorant concerning spiritual things. Why would the Lord say that? Because most folks are ignorant of spiritual things, act like they don't even exist. Well, there is a devil, and there are evil spirits. There's a God. Hallelujah. God is spirit. There are angels. They're real. 
You are a spirit. You're looking at me right now through those two windows we call eyes. And when your body breathes its last and you come out of your body like a hand comes out of a glove, you will still be you because you're a spirit. And you will live on. You will continue to exist. Well, there are in this world right now influences for evil that you can't see or touch with your hand and influences for good from the Holy Spirit and holy angels. And one of the biggest things you can ever learn in this life, one of the biggest keys to your success is to learn what to receive and yield to and what to resist. Hmm? What to receive, what to yield to, what to give place to, and what to resist and stand against and give no place to. Sadly, you've got a lot of church-going people resisting God, resisting abundance, resisting the message of healing, resisting speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. You've got millions of church-going people. Oh, they don't want any of that. They're resisting that. And turn around and yielding to things from the enemy that the Bible says they've been redeemed from. Yeah, but God may have some mysterious purpose in it. See, confused and thinking wrong. That means you don't have your armor on. If it gets past and it, it pierces you and it gets in you and it tricks you and it deceives you and it misleads you, then you were uncovered. You were, you didn't have your armor on. How many think it's a good idea to get that armor on and keep that armor on? Well, you need to know what it is, right? Come on, let's keep reading. Put on, verse 11, the whole or the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. James 4, 7 said, resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. And you'll find in in this next few verses, he says the word against another half dozen times. Because he keeps on emphasizing that's what you do. You resist. You stand against. You push back. You don't accept it. You don't receive it. What? The enemy. Yeah, but how does he come? With wiles, with trickery. What am I supposed to be resisting? Verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, or one translation says wicked spirits in high places. Wherefore, because of that, because that exists, take to you the whole armor of God. Now, this is something that's up to us, whether we receive it whether we embrace it or whether we don't. See, he started off in the fourth chapter talking about putting off, putting on. Here's something you need to put on. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand against. Verse 14. 
Stand therefore, and the implication is stand against. Having your loins girt about with truth. Now last week we went over the first two of these uh, protective armor, spiritual armor. What's the first one? Truth. Truth is your first protection that he mentions from the wiles, the trickery of the enemy. The devil is the father of lies. He's a liar. And the father of lies, Jesus said. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. And Revelation says he is the, uh, the, the one that has deceived the whole world. First John says the whole world lies under the power of wickedness. It lies under the power of darkness. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 calls Satan the God of this world. And the way he's ruling it, God didn't give it to him. Man gave it to him. And the way he's doing it is through deception. He is the most effective, the most efficient liar you will ever encounter. What is deception? Does anybody know? Deception is when you believe a lie is true. If you knew it was a lie, you wouldn't be deceived. Hmm? Deception is you're believing something, you think it's right, you think it's true, but in fact, it's false. It's a lie. That's when you're deceived, and this is, this is why darkness is over the whole world. You've got people believing all kind of junk, Right? You got people praying to rocks and wood and spinning wheels and counting beads and, and people that believe there's no God at all. And you, you can believe anything you choose to believe. It does not have to be true. And you can believe something so strongly you'd die for it. And yet it's a lie. So the first thing to getting yourself protected is getting truth and putting it all the way around you. And also, the belt was what everything else fastened to. The breastplate fastened to it. The leg protection fastened to it. The sword fastened on it. So the truth is your protection from lies and deception. The truth is the foundation that gives you stability. That everything is fastened to. Where are you going to find out the truth? Where? <laughs> Number one, the word of truth. The written word, the Bible. Number two, the spirit of truth. The author of the book still talks to you today. It will always be in line with what was already come out in the written. But the word of truth and the spirit of truth is how you'll begin, you'll begin to be enlightened of the truth. That's why everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. And it's good to come to places where you could hear some truth preached and taught. Is that right or not? How would you know they're preaching the truth? How would you know? 
Well, they've studied a lot. That doesn't, tell, that doesn't mean they're preaching the truth. They have multiple degrees. That does not mean who taught them. Right? And where did, where did their teachers get what they learned? We, we should be so wary of things that are coming at us that are purported to be true and right. When it comes to the Word of God, the written Word of God, you accept it instantly and you believe it completely without examination. If He said it, it's true. Are y'all with me or not? When it comes to everybody else, no. No, you don't. You want, you ask questions. You examine. You go, well, who told them? How do they know? Where'd they get it from? Well, they wrote a book. So what? Right? <laughs> How many understand? Well, they, you know, that's been established in their group for 400 years. Well, if it was a lie 400 years ago, it's just an established lie. It's still wrong today. How could you know it was true? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I, I don't know if I can say it strong enough without talking in tongues. But this is what has changed Phyllis and my life forever. Get, we, we got a hold of this through Brother Kenneth E. Hagin's ministry. That the word of God is the final authority. Oh, hallelujah. It's the final authority. Did, did Jesus have to deal with attack and, and uh, of the enemy on his life? Remember when he was led up in the wilderness, 40 days and nights, tempted of the... What was the enemy doing? How did he attack him? Not with a stick. Right? Not, not with anything physical. It was a spiritual attack. How did the enemy attack him? Well, let's back up. How did the enemy attack Adam and Eve? He didn't grab them by the neck and stick their nose in the dirt and force them to eat the forbidden fruit. Huh? He didn't grab them physically and force them. So how did they lose the battle? How was human beings were human beings defeated? He came subtly. He came craftily with carefully crafted lies. And he convinced Eve of a lie. The Bible said she was deceived. And Adam followed her. He wasn't deceived. Maybe that's even worse. Can you see what we're talking about? But how did he defeat them? He didn't have the power to force them to do it, but he talked them into it. Now this tells you what kind of talker he is, right? He talked them into throwing away perfect, well, perfection, the garden, the fellowship with God, never dying, never having any pain. He talked them into throwing it all away. He tried to talk Jesus into some things. Huh? Have you read about it? Matthew 4, Luke 4. Have you read about it? Did the enemy try? I mean, he did everything 
that he had ever done on any human being over a period of 40 days and nights. He tried literally every trick in the book. How did Jesus not give in? What response? Now, we know a lot of things happened over those 40 days and nights, but what did the Holy Spirit pick out that He wanted us to know beyond anything else? What was Jesus' response to the devil's smooth talk? It is written. It is written. It is also written. What is written? What did he do? He was protected by the truth of the Word of God. Oh, come on. Can you see that? The truth is what protected him. What if he had never read the Scriptures? What if he didn't know any of that? At 12 years old, he knew the Scriptures so well. He was asking the scribes questions they were having trouble answering. He got that at home. He got that at the synagogue as a boy. Man, I'm so thankful all of our folks are ministering to our children right now. Hallelujah. And they are not ministering to them. Uh, our generation's set of morals, our code, our politics, they are ministering to them, thus saith the Lord. It is written. Scriptures. Scriptures. Why? Because that is truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. And truth protects you. Truth anchors you. Truth stabilizes you. And then you've got something for everything else to attach to and connect to. And I already preached on that last week, but I'm preaching it again. <laughs> keep, keep going. He said, your loins gird about with truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Truth is the first piece of armor he talks about. Righteousness is the second one. And we talked about how that if your heart doesn't condemn you, then you have confidence. What does righteousness protect you from? Well, unrighteousness, which has connected to condemnation and shame and guilt if the enemy can get a, get guilt in you and shame in you he will defeat you spiritually you won't have confidence toward God and uh, let me keep going lest I start preaching on that again verse verse 15 the third one and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now let's talk about this one today. What is this? First of all, it's not a new pair of shoes. <laughs> Y'all with me? This is spiritual, right? Spiritual. What, what spiritual piece of armor here is here that he's talking about? This is something real. It's not imaginary. It's real, but it's not physical. It's spiritual. Is truth real? Yes. Is righteousness real? Yes. yes, it is. And it protects you 
from what the enemy is coming against you trying to do, trying to hurt you with. Your feet shod with the preparation. That's something I had overlooked. And the Lord helped me to see it this time. What is the armor? Preparation. Preparation of the good news of peace. Um, in Romans 10:15, just put that on the screen for us, please. Romans 10:15 says, "How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, "How beautiful are the what? Feet of them that what? Preach the actually the same thing, gospel of peace. That's exactly what he said in Ephesians 6. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, What's he talking about? Well, here he elaborates on the, the gospel. What is the gospel? Here, here's a definition. Glad tidings of good things. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. Of all the good things our good God has given us and done for us in our good Lord Jesus. Is it just good, good, good? Huh? Is salvation good? Is forgiveness good? Is peace good? Joy good? Healing good? Provision good? Holy Spirit good? Is heaven good? This is the main directive of the church. To go into all the world and proclaim the good news. The Lord actually pointed this out to me back when I was, many years ago when I was in Bible school. You know, thinking about preaching. The Lord pointed this out to me. He said, uh, many are preaching bad news. What was that? You're a sinner. You're lost. You're going to hell if you don't change. That is not good news. Huh? Someone says, well, well, people need to hear it. Well, is that the main thing they need to hear? I thought the main thing they need to hear is good news. Huh? You're a bad person. You're a sinner. You're lost. You're going to hell if you don't change. None of that is good news. That's all bad news. What's the good news? Y'all are looking at me funny. What's good news? Help me out. Now, let me back up. Why am I saying that? Because many people call that the gospel. You're lost. Well, most everybody already knows that. They know they're not doing good. They know they're missing something. They they know they've made a lot of mistakes. Tell me what the good news is. Well, Corinthians puts it like this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins and trespasses to them. 
And him who knew no sin was made to be sin for you that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. What is that? God is not mad at you. He is not disgusted with you. He does not hate you in spite of all the stuff that you've done. Jesus has already paid the price for all your sins and your failures and your mistakes. And God the Father has received that sacrifice as forever taking care of that. Hallelujah. And all he wants you to do is just come to him and receive it. He wants you to believe it. And he wants you to come receive it. Come receive it. Somebody said, well, what if they don't like that? What if they don't accept that? Well, then you got some bad news for them. They're going to hell if they don't change. But give them the good news first. And if they receive it, then you have no reason to give them any bad news. Somebody say, good news, good news, good news. Now, people hear things like that and they tend to think of preachers and we did just read from Hebrews 10 how shall they hear except they preach except they be sent rather and how beautiful are the feet of them that preach or proclaim the good news of peace and that's true but every believer somebody say every believer every believer is to be a witness of what God has done in their life. Didn't uh, Acts 1.8 said you'll receive power. After you receive the Holy Spirit. You'll be witnesses. Who will? Just preachers? No. Everybody. You'll be a witness. Of him. And to him. Paul said this in, in Romans the first chapter. In Romans 1.15. He said so as much as in me is. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I'm ready. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is the thing I don't think we've seen clearly enough in this passage. Tell me what is the um, your feet shod protection it is the what preparation that word can also be is also translated ready ready readiness it is the readiness of what the readiness to proclaim the good news of peace everybody say ready ready Ready. It is God's will that every believer be anchored in truth, covered in righteousness, and ready to share that with anyone else. <laughs> oh, come on, can you see that? Ready. Why? Because why the feet? Because the feet take you where you want to go. And while your feet are moving and you're moving, you encounter people in your goings and in your comings. Everybody say readiness. Can can you hear what Paul is saying? He said, I'm ready. 
I'm ready, hallelujah, ready to proclaim the good as much as in me. As much as is in me, I'm ready. (laughs) How many believe this is true? Paul was ready to go. Ready to what? Ready to what? Talk to them about social reform. Huh? (laughs) Politics. What? Now you're laughing. But a lot, a lot of church-going people, they are ready to talk on some of these subjects. Yes. But they are timid. Yes. And they're not ready to talk about the Lord. Man, they're bold about what they believe. Yeah. And their politics. And who's right and who's wrong. And the direction this country's going in. and I mean, they'll speak right up. But when it comes to, are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet the Lord? They're not ready to speak up. They're not comfortable. They're not bold. They're timid. God didn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity. Are y'all okay? Well, what does this protect us from? <laughs> are, are y'all with me? Oh, yeah. I think you are. Uh, how, how do I see this? Um, the scripture says in Colossians, Four and five. Four and five. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. That's unbelievers. Redeeming the time. Making the the best and most use of the time. Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt. That you may know how to answer every man. We should be ready. To talk to people. About the good news. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be a teacher. You don't need to be able to read. Have to be able to read Greek and Hebrew. And any of that. But how many think. How can you be a believer. And you don't know anything about the good news. That's how you got saved. Right. So if you don't know anything about the good news. It's questionable if you're born again or not. How'd you get born again? You had to hear something about the good news. Well, you can share what you know. And you are a personal eyewitness of everything he has done in your life. And you need to be ready to talk to people about what he has done. How he saved you. How he forgave you. How he healed you. How he helped you get your bills paid. On and on. How he protected you. And if you're ready. (laughs) Got the truth on. Got the righteousness on. The the protection. It protects you. From all of the barbs and the rocks and the briars. That you got to go through in this life. You got some protection on your feet. 
And it protects you from missed opportunities. Did everybody hear that phrase? From missed. Did you hear that phrase? Redeem the time. Protects you from missed opportunities. Why? Because you're ready. I want to thank my wife for something here publicly. For decades and decades, I have not had to wait on my wife to get ready. And I'm thankful. I appreciate it. Because many, many do. (laughs) Huh? And people say, well, What's the big deal about that? It takes, you know, some people longer to get ready. It's a matter of when you start. And it's a matter of your priorities. If you're getting ready, you're not ready. I'll be ready in a minute. Means 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And what happens is people wind up not getting taken places and not getting involved in things because their priorities are skewed. And people know they got to have a day ahead warning. Are y'all with me or not? I know some folks don't like that, but if you cling to being selfish... And making everybody wait on you for everything. Like why? Why is your time more important than everybody else's? That will carry over into your spiritual life. And you're always waiting until see if you need or want to do something. Then you're going to get ready. Well, by that time, things can pass you by. There are things that are uh, time-sensitive windows of opportunity and if you listen to the Lord he'll deal with you get ready I'm talking about ahead of time now I know some folks don't like it but you've also endured a lot of things that have bothered you and you missed out on some things and you're not putting the two together and I'm saying If you're that way in the natural with this, it's an indication that you're that way spiritually. Because the spiritual and the natural are connected. If you're never ready naturally, if you're always running behind naturally, you are that way spiritually too. Don't think other. It's it's a fact. Because the the natural flows out of the spiritual. Does the Lord want us two days after we had an opportunity to talk to somebody about the Lord to realize it. That I missed that opportunity because I wasn't ready. If you're getting ready, you're not ready. And things can pass you by. You can miss opportunities. But the Holy Spirit's never late. I said He's never late. Do you believe it or not? I don't mean not often. I mean never. And if you'll listen to him, he'll wake you up in the nighttime. He'll wake you up early. He'll deal with you 
get, you know, get ready for this. Get on this. When you have no reason in the natural to think you need to, but if you'll do it, you will be such a happy camper when it comes up and you're not having to get ready. You are ready and then you can go. You can do it. You can be a part. You know, Phyllis and I served with the uh, Brother Kenneth and Miss Aretha Hagen for 20 years. They're both in heaven now. And people will think, well, you know, man, that's amazing. Y'all got to do that. It is. But one of the reasons that they continued to use us is we're available. Y'all with me or not? If they called on us to do something, it didn't matter. If we had other plans, if there was this or if there was that, and there were times that, you know, come, let's go, and we're flying out of the state, we're doing this and that, and you had 15 minutes to pack a bag and get there. Yeah, for a week, Phyllis says. Well, if you say, I, I can't do that. I, I have to have my this and, and I have to do, get this done before I can go. Well, miss out then. They can do it without you. Why should they wait on you? What makes your time more important than theirs? <laughs> it's quiet in the church. Have I digressed? What's part of your spiritual armor that protects you from missing out? That protects you from being left out? That protects you from missing opportunities? Being ready. Hallelujah. In this case, ready to share. Ready to give an answer. Oh, somebody say ready. 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 And and not ready to condemn. Not ready to judge. That's the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. Ready to what? Ready to tell the good things. How good God is. All the good things. He, He took our sins. He bore our transgressions. He took our sicknesses. He carried our pains. He took the chastisement of our peace. He was made poor for us. Is that right? Giving us all the good things. The forgiveness, the healing, the deliverance, the abundance. That's what we need to be ready to talk about. Anywhere, anytime, ready. Huh? Get ready. So you'll be ready. Right? When these opportunities come up. If you get a hold of this, It'll make you pay better attention in church. Huh? Because you may need to share some of this this afternoon. No, you don't have to say it just like I did. You don't have to quote any references. But it should be real enough to you, the core essence of the goodness of God in the message, that you could, in your own words and in your own way, share it with somebody, and you don't have to work it up. You're ready. Why? Because you're full of it. You're full of truth. You're full of light. You're full of life. You're full of joy. Hallelujah. And that makes you ready. Oh, somebody say, ready, ready. Look at your neighbor, say, ready. 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 
And I'm serious about that. Uh, my wife is wonderful. She handles the administration of the ministries. I mean, too much sometimes. It's just so much to do. But she never makes me wait on her. Never. I'm thankful. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I endeavor to show her respect too and not expect her to do things that I shouldn't. Or, you know, but all of us should be ready as the Lord's bride. Yes. Is that right? Yes. How many think it's appropriate for the bride of Christ to make the Lord wait on them, no. wait on us no. all the time? Hmm? No. Takes us three days to get ready to do anything, and then we might not feel like it, or we might not be comfortable doing it, or we might, you know, the bride of Christ should not make the head of the church wait on them. Yes. Said out loud, Lord, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. For being carnal, for being carnal, or lazy, or lazy, or selfish, selfish, making you wait on me, making you wait on me, making other people wait on me, making other people wait on me. Forgive me. Forgive me. I purpose. I purpose to change. Show me how to get ready and to be ready. Ready for you. Ready to do what you call me to do. I ask it in Jesus' name. First Peter 3, put that on the screen for us. First Peter 3.15. He said, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That means separate, make a difference. This has to do with treating the Lord's things as special, holy, important. And what? And what? Be ready. Huh? Be ready always to do what? To give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear or reverence. What does that mean? Why are you up when so many people are down? Why do you still have peace and joy? Why? Why are you still so positive? We, to the, to the unbelieving world, we should be irritatingly positive. <laughs> what do you mean by that? We just will not join your sad party. Yeah, but don't you know this? And yeah, but you don't know this. Yeah, but I have a hope that goes beyond everything. Hallelujah. It's the hope of our salvation. It's the hope of the redemptive work of Christ. So many of the things that people are just falling out about, they are so, so temporary. They last for this long and they're gone and nobody will remember. But we have an eternal hope of glory and we have Christ in us the hope of glory 
Oh, can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. And that should be so real in us that people see it. We don't crumble like others do. We don't collapse like others do. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. And sorrow like those who have no hope. We're up. We got light. We got strength. Strong in the Lord. And if that's evident enough, there'll be people here and there that'll ask you, what's your deal? What are you on? What are you taking? What are you doing? Not taking anything. Nobody can really be that up all the time. What are they asking? What are they asking? What is the the reason of the hope that's in you? And what do you what do you need to be able to do? You need to be ready. Oh, somebody say ready. Ready to give them an answer. Huh? Ready to give them an answer. What is the answer? The good news of peace. How God, how Jesus has made peace for us with God. How you can have the peace that passes understanding in your own heart and mind. And if people, if a whole family will yield to it, you can have peace in the whole house. You can have days of heaven on the earth. It's true. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Stand on your feet, everybody.